a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. And thank you for listening to Story Connect, the podcast. This is your host, Stephen Smith, and we are recording live again from the Kentucky Telecom Association and the Tennessee Broadband Association Joint Fall Conference coming to you this year, 2019, from Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I am pleased to have as my guest today, Miss Valerie Weimer with JSI. Thanks for joining us today, Valerie. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role. At, uh, you are a uh, JSI vice president. Tell us about your role and what, what you do there. Yes, JSI is a consulting uh, firm, and I'm the vice president of business development. And that's not business development for JSI. That's business development for our um, telephone, um, municipal, and electric uh, com- uh, company uh, customers. Um, my group um, does a lot of different things. We do business cases. Um, we research technologies and new services for companies to <coughs> move into to increase their revenues. And we'll do the business case and then um, usually have a whole implementation plan to get them to actually roll the service out. And that includes pricing agreements, uh, finding vendors, and all that type. We try it kind of soup to nuts. And we do both, uh, you know, regulatory and pricing and um, financial things primarily, and some a little bit of technology. So, as a consumer of, um, a, say, a rural a telephone cooperative, broadband cooperative, or commercial, uh, when we see a new service rolled out or see a company moving into a new area, there's been a lot of work on the back end to get to that point, right? Very much so. It can take quite a while, especially if you're expand if you are a current utility or telephone company and you're expanding your service territory. There's a lot to be done. If you're, it's in your own service footprint, it's a little bit easier, but still, any new service takes a lot of work behind the scenes. Well, there's certainly a lot of emphasis on um, building out both at uh, federal level and state levels. Uh, really, all across the country, we're seeing a lot of activity in uh, building out rural broadband. And uh, you spoke today on the federal and state grant programs that are available. Um, I'll give you to talk a little bit about um, how federal and state grant programs fit into the overall CapEx mix for rural broadband providers. Well, they do play a big role because, and unfortunately, a lot of areas in the rural just don't have a business case. There's um, so few customers and so very long distances to get to them that you just can't afford based on uh, the going market rate to build, you know, 15 miles of fiber to reach one customer. And so that's where the grants come in that if I get a grant, essentially that's lowering the cost of my construction and not only initially, but ongoing because I don't have depreciation and, and other things on that plant. So it really helps the business case to make it affordable to go out and serve that customer, um, you know, with a one-time support versus ongoing monthly support. What kind of uh, programs, what what types of programs did you speak to the crowd about today? Well, um, there are a few um, specific programs from the federal side. Um, There's the uh, um, RDOF program, which is going to be an auction program. 
and that uh, is in the future that we don't have all the information out on that yet uh, but that's coming up in the future and that's going to be primary primarily um, an area will be qualified for areas that are under 25-3 broadband availability. I also talked about the two RUS programs, one of them being the ReConnect program um, in 2019, and there'll be a 2020 program, each with, um, you know, approximately $600 million um, to give out and um, looked at backwards and forwards as to what was happening with those. And the uh, RUS Community Connect Plan, which is a smaller program, about $34 million, and that program annually. And then on the state side, um, talked about the Tennessee grant program, but also pointed out there are uh, state grant programs in several other states. Probably about half the states in the U.S. have some kind of state uh, broadband grant program. Have you seen that increase in the past few years uh, on the state level? Um, yes, very much so. Um, and there's quite a few that are trying to get state funding, you know, to have a program. And um, the FC- federal is trying to push that, uh, for example, in the ReConnect program. Um, if you had a state broadband plan, you got extra points. And so that gave a lot of incentive for states to actually develop a state broadband plan and hopefully associated with that a state grant program also. With all the the, the many programs that are available, I know there are various stipulations, uh, requirements they have to meet for everyone, and it can be be a little daunting, I'm sure, for a provider to consider all the hoops they have to jump through. Yes, there is work. I mean, it is um, kind of like free money, but you do have to work up front um, Mm -hmm. to get it, and then you have some reporting afterwards. So um, you do have uh, uh, to show that um, there's a need and that you're going to be able to fill that need not only in the short term but longer term. Uh, what would you say are some of the general requirements of these funding programs that maybe a lot of them do have in common? Yeah, um, so all of them have a qualification piece that uh, no government wants to pay uh, pay for a grant where there's already broadband available. So there's criteria on what physical areas uh, you can build your plant. Um, there's also... Uh, perspective on how much a minimum amount of bandwidth that you have to provide. Um, there's technical criteria, uh, technical criteria to make sure whatever you build um, is sufficient. Uh, there's transparency to show um, you know, that in fact you are performing not only up front during the construction, but afterwards that you're delivering what you said you're going to deliver. And then um, I talked about the timing because all these uh, programs have a time for the application and a time to actually implement. Um, you don't have 20 years to build this. You have, you know, you typically under five. Mm. And we're talking about systems that really have evolved over decades in terms of building the traditional telephone plant. Yes, we have. So this is a, this is a ramped up uh, cycle, I, I assume, for a lot of these companies. Uh, are you seeing any sorts of um, trends 
uh, especially over the last you know three or four years, as we've seen so much emphasis uh, trends among rural broadband providers in terms of uh, you know the type of areas, the type of projects that they're submitting grants for, or um, maybe the types of areas that they're going into. Are you seeing um, different approaches, uh, partnerships, things of that nature? Yes, um, partnerships are very much encouraged. Um, we've seen an, a number um, of telephone uh, electric utility partnerships going in. Um, also, there can be, um, you know, a, a community facility um, with the broadband provider, whether it's an ILEC or a CLEC, uh, with a partner to get, say, telemedicine going or some uh, remote education areas going um, help very much in uh, your applications. Uh, you had mentioned the, uh, the RDOC program earlier. That's the FCC uh, program, right? The Rural Digital Opportunities Fund? Right. Um, is, is that a new program? Um, yes. It's built off uh, uh, previous programs where they've had reverse auctions. Um, and, but this um, will be another round and another kind of overarching um, name of the auction process versus an outright grant process. Okay. And what would you say to uh, that broadband provider that they, they may not have a lot of experience in going after uh, these grant programs? What can they expect in terms of the resources that they will need internally to go through a process like this, and what departments uh, will be involved in that? Well, probably it will take backing almost the whole company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that um, first of all, you're going to want to have a plan to make sure it fits in, you know, your overall corporate objectives. Your financial people um, will be involved because you have to show um, that you can financially support the fund. Um, you're, you'll need an engineering design. Now, whether you contract out or use internal resources, that would be um, your choice. Uh, but that could go either way, whether it's internal or external. Um, you'll need a financial analysis. And again, that might be your internal accounting department or finance department, or you could contract that out. Um, you need somebody in charge to project manage this because you need, there's a lot of questions in different areas to answer. And so you'll need a project manager to really know what the application says and make sure that you've checked off all the boxes um, because if it's an incomplete application, even though it might be great, it will be most likely rejected. Mm, a lot to think about there. Yes. So we have a lot of uh, uh, marketing, pe people who work in marketing at the broadband companies, the marketing departments. Uh, what role would those uh, marketers, uh, how can they support the grant process uh, within their companies? Well, part of... Um, uh, Part of most of the grants, and in particular, I'll just use the ReConnect grant um, as an example. In the ReConnect grant, you must list all of your competitors and all your competitor prices. And so um, RUS is looking, you know, that you're not uh, pricing out of the market. They need reasonability as to what the uh, 
one penetration is that you're going to get and that you have a realistic penetration. Um, if there's two competitors there, you're not going to have the same penetration as if there's none. Um, so they can expect a, a variety. So we need the marketing people to tell us, since they're beat on the ground, uh, right. you know, what is realistic, and be able to defend that with facts. Absolutely. So they can play a role there. Um, was there anything in particular that, uh, did you have any questions from the audience today, or was there uh, any particular point that you would like to make sure that you cover in this in this podcast? Um, I would say, you know, research, um, look early, uh, don't wait until the funding no, you know, the funding or the application is out because then you have everything really in a condensed time period and you may not be doing the full due diligence that you should be doing on going for the grant. Um, and, you know, so if you are thinking about a grant, look at the types that you may want to go for see what the history is or what similar ones are out there and, you know, look at how you would stack up in competing um, for those grants to determine, um, you know, what is a good, you know, selecting your area. And I think that will help um, increase your areas of success. Uh, that is great counsel. Be, uh, be doing your homework and, and, and pre-work there and, and uh, kind of find out get a good idea before these loans are, uh, and grant programs are announced. Uh, so you can really be uh, putting yourself in good position to go after those. Well, uh, my guest today on the podcast has been Valerie Weimer. She is the vice president with JSI. And uh, she spoke with the crowd today about the types of loans that are available and uh, some of the general requirements there. Here at the 2019 KTA to NBA Fall Conference, coming to you from Bowling Green. And again, this is Stephen Smith. You're listening to Story Connect, the podcast. Thank you for listening and keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast a production of Word South, a content marketing company.